university? Ha ha ha. Of course. Be my guest, English. Thank you. Let me see. Where are we? Ah, uh, yes. The, uh... <clears throat> the, uh... The snow falls slowly in Moscow tonight. Yes, sir. The weather is very clement for this time of year. Uh, hang on. Oh, yes. It's a shame my bikini is in the wash. Hmm? The polka dots bring out the color of your eyes. I find it flatters my... Oh, look. Do I have to do this? Just give me the damn package. Yes, you have to give the counter code to be sure you are my contact. Continue. <sighs> I find it flatters my figure. You have a very fine body. Look, come on, Ernie. Give me the damn... Continue. <sighs> I work out a lot. If I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? Oh, come on. That's not even in the script. That is okay. We have finished now. Great. Now, where's the package? It is located over the park. The third bin to the left. That had better not be the dog poo bin again. <laughs> God damn. Simon, I have the package. Is that my A Curious Feeling 40th Anniversary Edition? Yeah, and can you use a different eBay supplier? Their delivery guy is very odd. So, are we ready to do the podcast? I'm ready when you are. Cool. Well, let's get on with it. Greetings, listeners. We're back with our weekly shows following our 50th spectacular. I hope our Halloween story didn't creep you out too much. Yeah, greetings, listener. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, we're back. We're back. We've had a little little break, haven't we, Simon? We have. We have. It got a bit intense for a, a while there, didn't it? It did. My fair brain was fair worn out. And as you know, that doesn't take a lot. <laughs> well, uh, yes. That's true. It doesn't take a lot at all. Now, my creative uh, juices weren't flowing. They weren't flowing there, boy. The creative juices. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> digestive juices never stop flowing. Hence yeah. the gut. But, you know. Eh. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. But back we are. Back we are. And we're, as promised, we're going to be doing some more of the solo albums. Now, now you say that, but you've picked the wrong... I do say wrong, that, I do. You, you do constantly, constantly. Unfortunately, not down the pub anymore, because we can't get to the pub. Yes. Um, but this time you've chosen something quite different, haven't you? I have. I thought it'd be nice to take a couple of little interludes from the solo stuff uh, and listen to, this week, listen to Brand X, Unorthodox Behaviour, which was, technically speaking, Phil's first solo stuff. Technically. Because... Although he wasn't solo on the album, it was his first major project outside of Genesis. He'd obviously been a session musician on a lot of stuff during the 70s, but this was a band that featured him as an actual member and a writer. Yeah, um, but the thing was, he hadn't left Genesis at this point. This was kind of on a little break, wasn't it, between albums? It was. It was. It's surprising how quick this all came about for Phil, um, although the history of the band was a bit longer. So we're going to have a little excursion into Brand X 
And then next week, we're going to have a little excursion into Ant Phillips's first solo album, mm. which is called The Geese and the Ghost. That'll be interesting for me because I've not heard of that one. Uh, well, we'll talk about that next week. Um, but for now, we're talking about Brand X. So Brand X released their first album in 1976 called Unorthodox Behaviour, which is the album we're looking at today. It was a runaway success, really? reaching the dizzy heights of 191 in the USA Billboard Top 200. Wow! And reaching the no-entry position in the UK charts. Can I just say, released. can I just yes. say at this point, partially I'm not surprised. That mm. is not to say that this is a bad album. We're not going down that road yet. No, no, no spoilers. I'm, no, I'm not going down that, that road yet. All I'm saying is that I don't know. It sort of mid 70s had jazz or certainly rock oh. fusion jazz really taken off to such an extent that it was, you know, commonplace listening. It's hardly surprising yeah. that something that was experimental as this didn't really chart. So I, I, I wouldn't put anything against the album because it didn't chart. It's just really quite experimental. So it's yeah. not surprising it didn't get mainstream attention, I don't think. There's nothing on here that could get radio airplay. No, so definitely. It, so, you know, the, the, the chances of promoting it are very, very slim. It's not like today where we've got many, many radio channels and digital channels. And there are channels for this kind of music out there. Back mm. then, there was about three or four radio channels, Radio Caroline, None of those were going to carry this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's jazz fusion, which, you know, is the worst kind of jazz. <laughs> uh, now, please, <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this, but I'm not a jazz aficionado. Really? Uh, yeah. So so coming out this album is a bit odd for me because it's like mm. jazz is like um, string theory. Yeah. Unless you understand it, you don't get it. Mm. So so I'd just like to praise my review of this by the fact that I don't really get jazz. It's not a, yeah. a, a genre of music that I'm really into. So it's um so I'm approaching this from the fact that it's sort of a jazz rock fusion. I'm approaching yeah. it from a rock point of view, which is probably yeah. the worst way of doing it, but it's the only sort of anchor I can tie to this. It's like yeah. if you give me an album of Highland bagpipe hits to review. I'm going to be at a loss there. And also, my knees look terrible in a kilt. So, yeah. <laughs> I am not a jazz aficionado either. I like some elements of jazz. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like Nina Simone, Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong, Louis Prima to a certain extent. Oh, Hugh Laurie's albums. That he's, that he's bought two albums out of those. Yeah. Both of those I really enjoy. Yeah, They're kind of so, jazz, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not against jazz in any way. It's not my favourite type of music, and I like bits of it. I mean, some of Miles Davis's stuff is good, and some of it leaves me cold. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, there's there's some great stuff out there that that is accessible to most people. Yeah. But if you really get into jazz, <sighs> you've really got to know what you're listening to to really appreciate it. It's like rock yeah. music, you know. Exactly. Unless you're into rock music, you don't understand the nuances and in, in guitar solos and beats and things, which people will yeah. laugh at, going, "There aren't any." There are if you listen to them and you're used to rock <laughs> yes. music. You can hear yeah. these these you know yeah. rhythms and and you know multiple uh, soundtracks building up. If you're not into it, all you hear is a noise. You know it's it's that kind of thing. You have to know it to understand it to love it. Yeah, I mean you've got to recognise the differences between Ackerbilk and uh, Miles Davis to be a real jazz head i think and i am i don't think either of us are that but we both like rock music we do but it's interesting to note that two future members of genesis live chester thompson and daryl sturmer both played 
in jazz fusion bands. Obviously, Chester Thompson on drums played with Weather Report. Yes. And Dal Sturmer played with John Luke Ponty's band, uh, both of which were jazz fusion. Again, I know nothing about jazz. So hmm. was jazz fusion a big thing at this point in the 70s, mid-70s? Does does seem to have been, in particular with people that were in successful rock bands. I mean, there's another album that came out around the same time by Glenn Hughes, who was the bass player in Deep Purple. Yeah. Uh, it's called uh, Play Me Out, which is effectively a jazz fusion record. Okay. C- combined a little bit with soul. Um, I've got that as well. That's, that's actually quite good. But that's got songs on it rather than just instrumentals yeah. like this I mean, album. the thing is, when you go into jazz and start looking at jazz... There are multiple, multiple, multiple versions of jazz and levels. Yes. You could say yeah. it's it's like, I can't even think of a, a music genre that it's like. I mean, when you talk mm. about rock, you've got three or four genres, AOR and blah, 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 and thrash and whatever. But when you mm. come to jazz, there are 15,000 different versions of jazz. There's yeah. fusion, there's rock, there's, there's My Aunt Sally's jazz, there's jazz shoes, there's... Skiffle. There's all sorts of jazz out there, and yeah. they've all got their own niche appreciation societies. And, you but know, yeah, don't don't you think it's similar with prog? Because there's lots of different layers of prog music. You know, you can get prog from something modern like um, Muse, for example. I would class as prog rock. Yes. So yes. Going all the way through to something like the Bonzo Dog Band, King Crimson, as well, for example. Yeah. That's a good uh, analogy, King Crimson, in a way, because. Uh, we both like prog rock music. You mm. like King Crimson, and I don't. And mm. yet, we, we we appreciate similar kinds of music. But that's one yeah. one band, for example, where we don't really gel together on. Yeah. So so for me, jazz has a similar sort of strata, almost, I suppose, that prog rock has. When you cut through it, there's loads of different levels. So you can be a fan of one type of jazz, but not another. Yeah. Same with prog. You can be a fan of one type of prog, but not another. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe we, that's why the two cross over so often. We're both big fans of like Marillion, mm. and I know lots of people who are fans of Marillion, and that is a prog rock band. I don't care what yeah. you say, but they won't listen to what we consider classic prog rock, like Yes or yeah. you know bands like that, and they would not listen to those because, well, I don't know. So I mean, jazz is very similar, isn't it? I suppose mm. you, just because you like jazz doesn't mean you like all jazz. But yeah, so that maybe maybe that's why there's such a crossover between jazz fusion and prog, just because there's lots of layers. Like an onion. Yes, mm. the onion of jazz. The onion of jazz. Jazz yeah. onion. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> Ooh, that, that's a t-shirt. Jazz onion. Jazz onion. Mm. Right. So they were formed in 1974 when they started pulling the band together, and then yes. their, their album, first album, was really recorded in '75. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, was this one we're doing now, Unorthodox Behaviour. It's kind of important to note at this point that Phil wasn't with them after about 1982. No. Um, they he was with them for recorded... quite a short time, wasn't he, really? Yeah, I mean, very short even, time. even during that first, you know, 75 to 82 period, mm-hmm. um, they had other band uh, drummers come in at that point because Phil had yeah. various commitments with Genesis and, and a solo album that he was working on and various other things. Sure. Um so even though he was technically with the band, he wasn't with the band all the time at that point. Yeah. So the band, band like you say, was formed in 74. It officially came together in 1975, early early 75. It's formed by John Goodsaw on guitar and Percy Jones on bass, who 
quite popular session musicians at the time. They pretty much stayed with this all the way through, didn't they, those two? They did, those two, pretty much. Um, the original drummer they had was called John Dillon, but he left and they wanted to replace him with, of all people, Bill Bruford. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting. That, do you think this was this band was like the prototype for Spinal Tap? Because they did keep... Uh, getting new drummers every so often, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I mean, it'd be interesting to know if they auditioned all these drummers or whether they just, you know, just like with Bill Brufford. Bill Brufford didn't want to join the band because he just come out of King Crimson. King Crimson just split up and he wasn't ready to commit to another full-time project. So I wonder if at that point they decided they'd do open auditions. Funnily enough, we have got a tape of one of the audition sessions. I think, really? I think it's actually Phil's original audition session. One of our deep throat tapes. One of our deep throat tapes. Um, I'll dig it out. Now. It's here. I can see it, actually. It's in this, this box here. Cool. Oh, Mr. Collins, please take a seat. Oh, uh, yeah, all right. Now, my name is Barbara, and I shall be interpreting for the other members of the band. Uh, oh, I speak English. No, I mean I will be interpreting them for you, unless you speak jazz. Speak what now? thought so. Now, as you know, you've been called in as a possible drummer for the band Brand X. It's very exciting when we get a new band member. However... We have a few to see, so if we may get on. Uh, yeah, sure. Super. Let's begin. <laughs> they ask, and this is their lingo, if you dig jazz, man. Oh, yeah, it's great, isn't it? I'm not just about rock, really into jazz. I've even worn a polo neck shirt. Yes, so I see. It's not often you see a denim polo neck. I had it made special for this interview, though I admit it's a bit tight round the old neck. So, did they want me to just drum or maybe sing a bit as well? Oh, my word, no. No singing. We tried that once. We had that Cleo Lane come in and lay down a vocal track of all her boops and debaps. We sounded like an R2-D2 tribute band. Oh, so, just the drums... Jazz. They say not just drums, jazz drums. Well, uh, what's the difference? A smaller kit and more use of drum brushes. How small? No high tom, medium tom, no crash cymbal, ride cymbal and very little bass drum. Mm, what about a triangle? No. Do I at least get a stool? <laughs> jazz. A small one. Sounds like a challenge. I'll do it. Thank you for your enthusiasm, but we have one more person to see, so we'll be in touch. Oh, OK. And if you could send in the next applicant on your way out, that would be super. OK, bye then. Well, he seemed promising. <laughs> Jazz. Oh, you always say that. This sounds like the next applicant. Animal! Drums! 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 Oh dear. Drums! 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 I don't know what we would have done if we hadn't got these tapes from Deep Throat. They've been so fascinating to listen to. A real behind-the-scenes peak, haven't they? They have. I mean, I wish he had a different code name. I really do. I know. You're not fond of that code name. No, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. 
I, I know you are something of a prude, but yes. um, but you know, where would this podcast be without exclusives like that? Exactly. We'd, just be, it, we'd just be two guys talking to each other on a Saturday afternoon and rambling endlessly about boring topics like jazz, like jazz. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting there, though, because not only if, is does that tape show us a little insight into um, what might have happened if Phil had not joined the band. It also gives us, you know, Animal might not have joined the Muppets. I know. I mean, we could have had a completely different childhood if exactly. Animal had toured with them and Phil Collins had joined the Muppets. Yeah, exactly. It would have been very interesting to see. It would. <laughs> I, actually, I think I would pay to watch that. <laughs> But, we... but yeah, so anyway, Percy Jones had already met Phil Collins because they were both uh, both been uh, part of Brian Another Green World album. And so when Bill Bruford basically turned down the job, their A&R man, Danny Wilding, suggests asking Phil. Mm. So he met with the band, as we've just heard, and that was during the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway tour during a Christmas break. Um, they all got on really well, and there you go, the lineup was there. At this point, they've got a vocalist, and they go in to record an album in February 1975 during a two-week tour break from the Genesis Lamb Tour. When Phil goes back out on tour with Genesis, um, Robin Lumley, the keyboard player, and Jack Lancaster, who is the saxophonist... How do you know this stuff? I just pull it out of my mind. <laughs> they begin writing a jazz rock version of Peter and the Wolf, which would feature all of Brand X, plus Bill Brufford, plus Gary Moore... And wow. many other guest stars. I must admit, um, I prefer Weird Al's version. Yes. I've got to say, I can't think of anything that I would lo- rather listen to less than yeah. a jazz rock version of Peter and the Wolf. I wow. don't care who's playing on it. No, I, I mean, don't care. That is just that has just got mess written all over it, hasn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Peter and the Wolf anyway, but a jazz rock version just sounds like that's probably what's going to be playing in my version of Hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I, I get there, with that. yeah, that and Kadjigugu. Mm, yeah, Kadjigugu, at least you can sing along with. Yeah, but it rots your brain. Anyway, the point is, yeah, I agree <laughs> with you entirely on that. I cannot think of anything that sounds more hateful than that project. We may <laughs> exactly. be wrong. It may sound beautiful, but you know, when you consider Peter and the Wolf, there's lovely piccolo sounds for the lighter yeah. things. This would be just go, yeah, no, it's not doing it for me. Uh, here comes Peter and the Wolf. He's coming on strong. It'd be like that. It'd be awful. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and here's the Wolf. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, they're working on that while Phil is on tour with the Lamb. When Phil comes back from the Lamb tour, everything goes as very, very fast after that. That first album they've recorded, which is vocals by Peter Spinelli, is rejected by Ireland. Yes. Um, they, Why? they feel it doesn't work, and basically the band splits up oh, right. at okay. that point. Was, um, this, was this because of the vocal track? Yes, it was It was felt that the vocals don't work, and that album has never been released. It'd be interesting to know. It's sort of a bonus or anything like that. No, because they were quite adamantly hating of the vocals. It'd mm. be interesting to know what the vocals actually were. Yeah. Yeah. Were they, were they, were they like, was it was it a protest song? Was it? Um, I mean, because it's hard to really when you when you're producing a record, you know, and you send it in. Sometimes they may say, you know, oh yeah, tweak this, tweak that. We need we need more of an intro here. Get a good producer to really do this track. 
But no, once do you usually hear them go, we hate the vocals. God, the vocals, we hate the vocals. Which they seem to have done in this case. Bearing in mind as well that the album that they released, Unorthodox Behaviour, is a completely different album. It's not the same album with just the vocals taken off. It was a whole new album. Did it release or did it escape? Uh, well, unorthodox behaviour. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. But mm. anyway, that first album is never released. That's never been heard. Um, there's probably bootleg versions of it knocking around, but not even on things like anniversary box sets and yeah. rarities compilations. Nothing from that's ever been heard. Wow. So the band have split up at this point, but John Goodsall on guitar, Robin Lumley on keyboards, Percy Jones on bass, Phil Collins on the drums, and Jack Lancaster on saxophone reform and record a brand spanking new album um, between September and October 1975. Which is what we're going to review today. So this album was eventually released on Charisma Records because Island Records didn't want it. They dropped the band. Really? But they'd already put so much into this. Well, exactly. But Charisma, seeing the potential with Phil in the band, signed them and released their albums. So straight after the sessions for that album, Phil goes into the studio to record a trick of the tail. So immediately following this, Phil's straight back into the studio again and obviously becomes the singer in the band. And that leads him eventually to his 80s ubiquity, which, you know, if he'd never become the singer, I think the 80s would have been a very different musically. Oh, definitely. Because Face Value was such mm. a massive hit, not only in this country, but worldwide. I mean, yeah. that really launched Phil Collins into mega stardom, didn't it? It did. It did. So if so... he hadn't had the opportunities of singing with Genesis and, you know, perhaps playing in other bands, which gave him the courage to try new projects, yeah. um, we may never have got face value, which I know from my point of view might have been a good thing, but I know you <laughs> love that album. So, I do. Um, yeah. And a yeah. lot of people do. It's a great album. I just personally don't like it. But I mean, we, we've gone on about this album and how it didn't chart and things. But mm -hmm. the thing about the charts is they're a populist measure of what yes. is popular. This album was never going to be popular because it's not for the populace. It's for, yeah. it's for people who like this kind of music. So exactly. putting saying how far it got in the charts really isn't fair to the album, I don't think. It's not. I mean, it's not pop fusion, is it? It's, oh, God, that, no. Well, that sounds, that sounds even worse. Oh, my God. That sounds like something you get out of China. Uh, not yeah. China. Japan, doesn't it? Yeah. This is, yeah. Anyway. This is pop fusion. It's, it's pop fused with... <laughs> Jazz. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that's a thing. I'm sure yeah. that must be a thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Moving so swiftly. So Brand, Brandex played a handful of gigs in December 1975. Um, they decided they were going to get an additional percussionist on stage, so they asked Bill Bruford. So Bill Bruford suggests to Phil that if Phil is touring with Genesis and needs to sing on stage, maybe he could play drums for them, which was how that all came about, you oh, see. Okay. So if it hadn't yeah. been for Brand X, Bill Bruford might not have toured with the band. Yeah, there you go. All these there things are connected. All interconnected. Yeah, all just goes to show, doesn't it? But it's, it's, it is interesting that, you know, Phil, who had started drumming with Genesis, you know, and really only wanted to be the drummer. And then mm. he was forced into being the singer, which he yeah. really didn't want to do. Um, he was basically just uh, helping to interview people for a singer. And they just went, Phil, just do it. And he ended up just <laughs> doing it. That gave yeah. him, you know, sort of the confidence to do that. Then he sort of lashed out and did this, you know, mm -hmm. as, a, as, a, as another side project. Then he's got his own solo albums. It just shows how, how his career tracked. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's quite interesting. You can see how his confidence grew over these projects to mm. the point where he thought, 
I can do some solo stuff as well. You wonder yeah. if he'd done this, if he if he would ever have had the nerve to do a solo album. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think if he if the if, if the band had found a singer, Phil would never have been no. the Phil that we know. He he would I think he would have been playing with Brand X all through his, his yeah. career. And that would I have think, been the closest I, I he think got it'd have probably career. left Genesis at some point because he probably would have got bored of that. Quite um, possibly, yeah. He, he would have ended up just drumming and session drumming mm. around the place. Probably yeah. never would have had the confidence to be a singer himself. Yeah, I think I think it's the case. So, talking of Phil, Phil remained with Brand X until 1982, which is when his solo career took off. Yep. Um, the band recorded six albums with him, and Brand X altogether released eight albums, and they are still touring today. Yes, because we're locked down. But well, yes, but as we said, you know, this year they 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 had reformed to mm-hmm. to retour. And they haven't done much in the way of albums over the last several years, have they? It's mostly been like compilation yeah. albums and and touring. Right. And where I don't know where they've been touring. I assume they they've pretty much been low key still because sort of jazz bands. The, well, certainly in my sort of mm. area, jazz isn't a massive thing. Um, so I assume it's it's playing to specialist houses and things like that yeah i would think so i think so I'm, i have a feeling that a lot of their fans are actually genesis fans who just come along for the ride really yeah i mean it's like well we'll go and see a genesis tribute band and mm. you know, just because it has that link and yeah. just hope that they're good fortunately we haven't mm. had a bad experience in that have we so far so that's a little bit of the history of the band. So shall we go into the tracks? Yes, but first, shall we have a word from our sponsors? Commercial time. Hello, and I'm here with Mrs. Barbara Smith to put her current washing powder to the test. Good morning, Barbara. May I call you Barbara? No. Ah, OK. Well, we took Mrs. Smith's washing and split it into two halves. This half we treated with her usual washing powder. <laughs> other half we treated with new brand X so tell me Barbara what do you think first with your usual washing powder well this smells lovely and fresh and looks so dazzlingly clean super super and now the half treated with new brand X phew it's done nothing at all Still smells bad, and it's still dirty. Here, look at my husband's underpants. Er, no, thank you. So, will you be switching to new Brand X in the future? No, it did bugger all. So there you have it. Brand X does bugger all for your washing. Kenner presents new alien action figure. Hi, Tony Banks here. As a famous international keyboard player, one of the best in rock music, so they say, I like to be able to access my money whenever I want. 
so I used the bank that's named after me, Tony Sinjin Banks. With cash machines on every high street, you can get hold of all of your massive royalties whenever you need them. I'm just going to buy myself another new keyboard with the money I made from my last solo album. Have you heard it? It's amazing. No, 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 not yes. I'm not eating yes. I mean Genesis. It's Rick Wayman who does yes. Oh God. Every day, we're busy helping our millions of customers get to where they want to go in life. Lloyd's TSB for the journey. No, I'm not in journey either. That's Jonathan Kane. So let's start off with track one. I think that's always a good place to start, don't you? Yes. Yeah, so we'll start with track one just to be mainstream. And uh, track one is called Nuclear Burn. Simon, what did you think of this Um, I actually quite like this one. Um, it reminds me, though, of Sound Chaser from Relayer by Yes. Really? Why? Yes. Just that it starts off in a similar way. I'm going to play a little clip of uh, the start of Relayer right now. in a very similar way to the point where whenever I try and remember Nuclear Burn I always remember Sound Chaser instead. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of overwrites for me. I, I, I also quite like this. It's got a nice rhythm mm. to it. The thing is with this particular track it's again I'm going to stress that I don't understand jazz. Yes. Okay? So I'm, I'm attacking this like I would 
a normal musical piece. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because you, you've got the, these multi-stylings going on. It starts off nice. I quite like the the rhythm that it starts going. Yep. And then it kind of goes off-piste. But then it's all mm-hmm. brought back when the guitars kick in. Yeah. And you get this, this like, it's regimented again. It's got a, it's, yes. You can say, ah, I can see this song. And then the guitars end and it goes mental again. Yeah, and then the guitars come back in, and you've got the song again, and then the guitars go away, and it goes mental again. Mm. There's there's one point, uh, it's like the guitars finally finish, and everybody has kind of a spasm of some kind because the <laughs> drums go wild, and the synthesizer goes wild, and the bass guitar goes wild, and then the guitar comes back in again, and like it's almost shepherding and herding yeah. the band into some sort of rhythm and structure for this this track. Yeah. I like yeah. that, but it's like it's a bit repetitive at times. Mm. And uh, it's probably my favorite track on the album. I'd have to say that now up front. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that I don't like the other tracks. I'm just saying that this is probably my favorite track. Mm-hmm. But it is a bit repetitive in areas and it relies entirely upon that guitar rhythm. Yeah to pull yeah. the whole track together. Without that, it yeah. would just be, you know, uninterrupted gibberish. Yeah. It's very much like um, Ace of Wands from Steve Hackett's first album. Yes, it is. I know what you're In saying. It's, it's got lots of little bits that keep repeating and then coming back to the same bit and then coming back again and then going off somewhere else and coming back to that bit. So in that respect, it's very similar in structure to, to something from that, taking a small idea and then repeating it. Yeah, it's like it's like this track. They had a small idea for a track, and mm. then when we'll sit down, play that, we'll make the rest up as we go along. Yeah, it's not that chaotic mm. to say that that is what happened because it is it is structured. It's just yeah. that the it's like to use an analogy or a simile. I, don't, I can never remember which is which, but <laughs> the instruments in this are sheep, and the guitar yeah. is the sheep dog. Yeah. So you've got this sheepdog of a guitar riff that keeps coming back and dragging everybody going, oh, over this way, over this way, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And then when the when the guitar sheep, which is kind of something I want to see, because <laughs> anyway, when the guitar sheepdog wanders off, um, they all go mental again and spread all over the field. But yeah. when then the guitar sheepdog comes back, yeah. again, I want a guitar sheepdog now. I really want a guitar <laughs> sheepdog. Um, It'd be nice to sit there and pet it and listen to bling, bling, bling. Anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, you get what I'm saying, that the yes. sheepdog guitar brings everybody back into focus at various points in this track. Without that, I think it'd be a mess. Yes, I agree with your rather deranged analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think but of another I'm... way of putting it. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, and I agree. This is the first time for everything. I mean, really? Wow, you understand what I'm saying. Normally, we have to be at the same drunkenness before we get to that point. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, the guitar is, is keeping everything in check. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you as well. I think this is my favourite one on the album. Um, I think it, it's a good, promising start to this album. Um, and it's it's fairly memorable. It is. And I also Even like... though I keep remembering Sound Chaser rather than this yeah. song whenever I try and hum it, it's still at least I remember what it sounds like. But if you're not like familiar with, with jazz and the way it's done, this is quite a nice introduction because you yeah. get the you know, when the when the guitar isn't there and the, the instrument's going wild, you get mm. an idea of what jazz can sound like in certain areas. Yes. 
you get you know this this complete cacophony of, of various artists playing together yeah. but not having a structure which is yes. which is what most people think of as jazz even though a lot of jazz is very structured and you know like mm. but some you hear it and you think how the hell do you write that down it's a mess yeah. yes and this this is a nice introduction because it's got, it's got best of both of those worlds i think yeah yeah i mean i think phil really shows his drumming skill on this one as well i think this is one of phil's best drumming performances it's a good, up to this point good in his performance career. Yeah, yeah 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 i agree it's not it's not, an, it's not outstanding yeah um but it's a very competent piece of drumming which doesn't sound very you know appreciative mm. but when you consider what else is going on in this track to try yeah. and keep a rhythm going when everybody else is going mental mm. um is a real skill so yeah. you know, it yeah. just goes to show that you know the, the the skill he's got with holding a track together that doesn't seem to have a structure to it. That's right, and 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 the end bit that you were talking about, where the guitar comes back in, that reminds me again of Twenty uh, First Century Schizoid Man by King Crimson. Um, the end of Twenty First Century Schizoid Man ends in a similar way to this track. I think, I think we have to take it on the chin. And look at this and say, you know, all the music we've enjoyed over the years, all of the progressive rock that we've really enjoyed, really has a lot in common with jazz. Mm. Because yeah. all of the all the artists that we know that have been in, in these sort of bands seem to have a, an affinity for jazz. And when you listen to something like this, you yeah. can kind of see how the structure can flow back and forth between progressive rock mm. and jazz. There's a yeah. very there's a similarity to the fact that sometimes, especially during the musical pieces, they're not as structured mm. as you think they should be, but they hang yeah. together nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, but it's like that same we were saying earlier on the different layers. You've got the the classical prog rock, so the bands that take influence from classical music like Emerson, Lake and Palmer. You've got the folk prog rock. Like Jethro Tull, and then you've got the jazz prog rock, like King Crimson, where there's all these different types of prog rock again, and it all pulls together into different ways. So you know, you might like the jazz rock style of 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 prog rock, but not the folk rock style or the classical rock style. So Nuclear Burn, the first track, good track, thumbs up. Yes, I I thoroughly enjoyed this track. It was you sat down, you listened to it. Beautiful intro, hangs together quite well, herded together well by the guitar rift, which is a nice guitar rift. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the theme that that hangs together is really good. Um, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed listening to this. Excellent. So that leads us into the next track, which is called The Euthanasia Woods.
not trying to. I'm not sure what they're trying to say with this title. <laughs> is that are they saying that this is a waltz we've put together and it's so dull you're gonna wish you're dead? I'm not. That is not the track. I have to say, but it's an odd title for a track. It is. It is. It's. It's very pleasant. I love the guitaring on this. That was mm. most tranquil. Yes, it's. I see. I've put in my notes that. Um, I think this is on the album. This is probably the closest they've done to a Genesis or or prog rock song on the album. I'll disagree with you there, but only because what? I know it's so odd, right? <laughs> but I'm going to come back to that later. But I know what you mean on this. It is. Mm-hmm. You could see this being dropped in as a musical interlude in a Genesis album. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I actually think rather than a Genesis album, either a Steve Hackett album, uh, or a caravan album. I was listening to this in the car for about the eighth yes. time this week because, as you yeah. know, as we've said before, we listen to these over and over again, make yep. notes, smash your head against the wall, and you know, go when you get, yeah, go to sleep, wake up thinking about the album, and eventually you cry and cry and cry, and then we do the podcast. Yes. So I'm listening to this for about the eighth time in the car, and it reminded me of the first time I listened to it, which was also yes. in the car. And you listen to the first track, and it's a nice musical piece. And you go, la, 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 la. wow, it's great. And then this track starts, and you think, ah, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And you get to about two and a half minutes in this, and you think, this is the second track on the album. The lyrics yeah. are going to kick in now, right? Because <laughs> yeah. if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. So I'm listening to this, and after about three minutes, I think, you know, I don't think there are going to be any lyrics on this album. That's right. <laughs> so you sit down, and you start thinking to yourself, so this is a musical album. I'm going to just listen to music. That's fine for me because, as we've said before, yeah. I was raised on kind of classical. So I'm used to large musical pieces, whole musical albums. Um, but, you know, when you listen to, when we've been listening to on the podcast that we're doing, we've been listening to so much rock and that, it's yeah. odd to suddenly come across a whole musical album. It's a, it's a pretty good track again. But three and a half minutes into this, the band again has some sort of spasm because they completely change direction with this track. Yeah. It goes it goes way off course yet again and turns into a completely different track. Yeah. I kind of liked that. It was very mm. prog rock. Um, yes. But um, after four and a half minutes, you wonder why they're still doing this because it yeah. has gone on quite a long time now. Yeah. And I think for a full musical know- piece. Mm. No spoilers for the overall opinion at the end, but there are a lot of the songs on this album overstay their welcome a little bit. Yes. But the, but then the thing about the, this track was it reminded me so much of Genesis in that, mm. again, they had no idea how to end it. Yeah. Um, it just like the, the, the last couple of seconds, it seems like all the instruments are having a shout to go, the end the dribble goes no i'm doing the end it seems like they don't know how to end but all the instruments have a shout to see who can shout the loudest phil has the last word with the drums but it it just seems like they didn't they were all just gonna go well i'll end it with this bass chord no 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 i'll end it with a guitar book chord and then the drummer goes yeah sod you lot i'm gonna end it it doesn't (laughs) seem like it was a planned ending it just sort of like rumbles on for a bit but it's, it's Typical of the, of the sort of music of that time. They never really figured out, you know, apart from fading out, there's only so many ways you can end a track. And, yeah, and this true. one didn't seem to have a plan for how they're going to end it. No, it didn't. I mean, like I say, I think it's a nice change of pace from the first track. 
Yes. And it's very pleasant, but it just goes on a bit too long for me. It's a bit it too is. repetitive. Yeah, I like it, but it's it's long-winded. Like, as as yeah. I say, I did enjoy the track, but after yeah. four and a half minutes, you're going, my enjoyment is waning a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Well, talking about um, it going on a little bit too long, the next track is the second longest track on the album at 8 minutes 18 seconds. Wow, I did not realise it was that long. It's born ugly. So what do you think of that one, then? Well, <laughs> the thing is, this starts off and it's really funky. Mm. And you think, oh, this is going to be a fun track. Yeah. It's not, though. No, it's not. Uh, it doesn't really live up to that immediate funk you get. You think you're going to be mm. on some sort of, you know, you're going to get out your flares and your platform shoes and you're going to funk the night away. And it yeah. doesn't really deliver on that. You've got this nice funk sound. There's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any joy to it. You know what I'm saying? No. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded what? me of a band playing live, playing a song, and then having a, a jam in the middle of that song, like you used to get on so many live albums in the 70s. Yes. And it, it's almost like you're waiting for the 20-minute drum solo to kick in because that's what it sounds like. They're just playing around on stage and jamming on stage. And it, it just sounds like it's in the middle of another song. Yeah, it's 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 weird for me because the first two minutes of this were mm. kind of repetitive and da 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 da, and it kind of it put me on the back foot to enjoy this track. So mm. when it finally did take off, um, I wasn't really in the mood to enjoy it anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just like it had already put you in kind of a funk. No, no pun intended. <laughs> at the beginning of the track, and you just yeah. thought when it finally did turn into a track, you just were going. You know, I'm not that bothered. Yeah. But what it did remind me of, um, and this is really weird, because I was listening to it in the car. Um, you know, I, I don't listen to everything in the car, but when I'm being chased by the police down the motorway, you've got to listen <laughs> to something to drown out the, the sirens, yeah? yeah? So it was like I was driving down, the, driving down the road, and I was listening to this, and the only thing I could see in my head was it, it sounded like the soundtrack to a 70s TV show set in yeah. Las Vegas. You could okay. almost see, and what was the name of that show? Oh, yeah, that was it, Vegas. Um, mm -hmm. You could almost see, it just felt like that, you know, like an old Starsky and Hutch episode or that yeah. kind of thing. It felt like the soundtrack to a TV show mm. um, rather than a musical piece. Yeah. It just, okay. That was just 
listening to it, that was the image that came into my head, like a 70s yeah. TV show soundtrack. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it didn't... It could have been worse. It could have been a 70s porn film soundtrack that came into my head. <laughs> but it was, it, as it was, it was like a detective TV show soundtrack that came into my head. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I suppose so. I, I didn't get that impression personally. For me, it was just, it was, it was repetitive, but not in a memorable way. Yeah. It just was a bit boring and far too long. Well, was it, as I was listening to this, this is the third track. Yeah. And I've enjoyed the first two. I must admit now there is a certain lethargy creeping in. Because mm. you're just going, you know, I'm getting a bit worn down by listening to this. Because yeah. it's, none of the tra- although the first two tracks were pretty good, they weren't so great that you were really enjoying it and waiting for the next track. Yeah. Again, yeah. this may come down to the fact that I'm not a jazz fan, so I'm probably yeah. not getting the full appeal of this album. Yeah. But I'm I'm starting to get weary at this point and thinking, yeah. is this going on? How long have I got to listen to this? What has Simon gotten me into now? <laughs> um, so it, it was like I was I was starting, a, you know, a certain tiredness with the album was setting in at this point. Yeah. Enjoyed the track, but you're thinking, how many more tracks have I got to go on this on yeah. this album? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, this, I think this is all right. If it was half the length, it'd probably be better. I agree. Yes, yes. It did not need the length it's got. I have heard that no times. (laughs) Um, But it's like, no, I I just, this could have been half as long and been just as enjoyable. Oh, there's another quote I've heard. Half half as long and just as satisfying. Exactly. Like the Mars bars now, and I don't care what anybody says, they are smaller. <laughs> that's just your hands getting bigger. <laughs> that is true. Anyway, that's that the, makes the that, last... that might explain something else as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the last track on side one of the vinyl album. Did that really uh, was that all those three tracks? That really one side. Yeah, that was it. That's the first. Can you side. imagine if you bought this album? That would be that would be quite depressing, don't you think? It would. So, you wouldn't feel like you were getting your money's worth with those three tracks, would yeah. you? You'd have only just sat back down, wouldn't you? Really, from turning it on, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. how long would, it, would that last? Just under twenty minutes, wouldn't it? In um, total, just over twenty minutes, actually. Yeah, not very long. No, not when you consider. I mean, we were discussing this um, just before the podcast started. It's been so long since we've listened to vinyl; it's mm. hard to remember how long a side you t- used to last. Yes. And when you think about an album and you think about when we were listening to them on vinyls originally, we'd know where the album broke. Yeah. Now you look at a you look at a CD and you go, Oh well, that's where it broke. Oh, was that it? They just had those four tracks on one side. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I mean, a weird feeling to realise, you know, how perceptions have changed when it comes to listening to music. It is. I mean you you remember that close to the edge only has three tracks on it and the First side is just close to the edge. Yeah. Now you think about a, a CD as a whole thing. Yeah. When we were growing up and listening to vinyl, you would refer to to side A or side B, mm. and we'd have arguments about which side was better. And yeah, you, know, exactly. you don't do that now. You talk about the album as a whole, whereas we used yeah. to talk about predominantly side A or side B because you know there was a difference usually when they're producing the album, a different vibe sometimes between side and side. But yeah, so that was the first side of the vinyl. And before we dive into the second side of the vinyl let's have a word from our sponsors commercial time hello i'm here with mr brian lambert to try out new brand x hello brian may i call you brian ah ah anyway 
We took these two motor cars, car A, we filled with Mr. Lambert's usual petroleum product. And car B, we filled with new Brand X. So, Mr. Lambert, what do you think? Well, car A... That's great! Runs really well! And now, car B? Nothing! Dead as a doornail! Ah, so, will you be switching to new Brand X? Nah, I don't think so! So there you have it, folks. Brand X! Don't put it in your car! Greetings, Stationeers! Thanks for listening to The Revelation Station. This episode is sponsored by Amazon Music Unlimited. Listen to over 70 million songs on demand, always ad-free. You can listen offline with unlimited access to all your favourite songs, and now you can also follow your favourite podcasts, such as a little one called The Revelation Station, perhaps? Hint, hint. And now a special offer for you, dear listeners. Amazon are not only offering unlimited music for three months absolutely free, but for everyone who clicks on our link, Amazon will give money to the podcast. There's literally no downside. So click the link in the podcast description or visit our website at www.revelationstationpodcast.com for more details. Now, please enjoy this episode. Will it be chips or jacket spuds? Will it be salad or frozen peas? Will it be mushrooms, fried onion rings? You'll have to wait and see. From the Bird's Eye Steakhouse Lean Juicy Steakhouse Grills. Pure ground beef that you cook like a steak and serve like a steak. What'll you give your old man with his steakhouse grill? Hope it's chips, it's chips. We hope it's chips. Beef grills and lamb grills. More sizzlers from the Bird's Eye Steakhouse. And welcome back. Thank you. I am glad to be back. So that leads us on to track four, which is Smacks of Euphoric Hysteria. about this is it really doesn't though does it yeah 
There's nothing euphoric or hysteric about this. The best thing you can say about this is it's not too long. Yeah, but it starts off fine. I quite like mm -hmm. the start. But it's got then, a really nice guitar line going yeah, through. I, I really enjoyed. like that. But then the rest of the track doesn't hold together at all. Yeah, it just, just doesn't do anything. Rambles off. And again, this is probably a jazz thing. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Um, but it just rambles on and on and off and goes over the hills yeah. and back again. It doesn't seem to have a composition. I mean, you'd think with a title like that, it would be a crazy, whacked out jazz best ride that was exactly my thinking euphoric hysteria sounds like it should be fun vibrant exciting yeah. and none of that could be used to describe this track yeah it's got wibbly little 70s keyboard sound in yeah, it it's, and... it's not a bad track no. No. it's just not that interesting it's not, it's not particularly memorable no i mean we've just listened to it and i'm struggling to remember what it sounds like now to be fair there's very little on this album that is memorable no, um, i would agree then again, I suppose you could apply that to most jazz things. You mm -hmm. know, jazz being what it is, does it give you a tune you can hum? Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so you know, we again, we're coming at this from our rock angles. Yeah. We're not exactly it, the best people to be, you know, sort of looking and analysing a jazz album. Yeah. But, you know, we're doing our best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we are coming at it from the, the angle of rock albums that have memorable tunes, that have tunes you can hum Yes. Or sing along to. And this is, is a jazz album. Yeah, which doesn't have that. Again, jazz is, is such a broad palette. It's easy to look at it and think jazz is boobity boops and babbity baps yeah. and music going all over the place. That isn't mm. true. There's so many regimented types of jazz, as we discussed yes. in the intro. Yeah. To say that all jazz is made up as it goes along, I think, is mm. a disservice to jazz. It but is. But this track does lend itself to that description. It doesn't go anywhere. No. Not particularly memorable, but no. uh, yeah, that's. I didn't not enjoy it. I just. I, that's exactly my point. It wasn't unenjoyable. It just wasn't very memorable. It's background music. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So, Shall we so, move on to the next track, the title let, track? Please. Which is Unorthodox Behaviour.
So what do you think of this one? This is the title track. This is the one that the album is named after. What did you yeah, think of this track? It's also the longest track on the album. Um, for me, it's the least interesting. I'm glad you said album. that. We actually agree on this one. Mm. I liked... No, I'm going to rephrase that because I didn't like. Um, but it's like... It's hard to believe they chose this as the title track. It's a great mm. name for an album. Yeah. But then it's a shame they placed that title on this track. Because yeah. it's one of the most unmemorable tracks on this album. It, it is. It doesn't really go anywhere. It starts off with a mumbling bass that's joined with a very light guitar. And mm. then the keyboard's kicking. Yeah. Uh, there are places in this which, again, I know this may be a jazz thing, but there are places where the drums seem to stumble to keep yeah. up with the with the rhythm of what was going mm. on. That's probably what was meant to happen like that. But you listen yeah. to it and you think, did he just have to do a double kick to keep in time with everybody else on this? Yeah. There were just a couple of places where that happened. You, you just wonder whether it was planned or whether Phil was playing along and went, oh, I'm going out of rhythm with these guys. I've just got to yeah. back in. Um, it just it just felt discordant. It didn't yeah. feel like it gelled or anybody had a plan for this. Yeah, I mean, for me, it feels like there's there's almost like there's an underlying tension to the music. Like something's about to happen, something's about to break out and go, and it's going to go in a minute. It's going to go really funky and 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 have a bit of oomph to it. And it just doesn't doesn't no. It, it just, just carries on for eight minutes and then yeah. ends. And it never just doesn't get going no it's just eight minutes of anticipation of something good coming yeah. along which yeah. doesn't come along yeah uh, it's not a bad track none of the tracks on this album you would consider a bad track there's just something about this track which was i found discordant it it, it mm. just there was something in me that went this isn't how it's supposed to it doesn't feel yeah like it's pulling together like everybody's playing literally from the same song sheet yeah i mean i would have given this title to the first track um, yeah, because the that, track on that is something you'd be happy with as yeah. the first, as the title track of the album and the track that sounds good. Yeah. But but this yeah. one, it's a great name for the album, mm. but and a great name for a track, but not this track. Yeah, yeah. Shall we move on to the next track then? Yes, please. Which is so track six is called "Running on Three.
assuming they're not talking about their mobile phones running on three. I don't think it's about the three network, no. No. I like this one. Yeah, this is all right, actually. This is a bit faster, a bit shorter. You know what this sounds like to me? It sound, This is the one track on this entire album that sounds like an instrumental break on a prog rock album. I've written almost exactly the same thing. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. It would fit into a prog band, almost a demo of a part of a longer piece. Definitely. This, it's, it's very prog rock in the fact that it's got lots of little rhythms going on. Yeah. And it all comes together and it stays as... Oh, it gels really well, yeah. and you yeah. could you could see this sitting on any prog rock album very proudly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with Genesis, where they all brought in their own little bits and said, "Here's my little bit, and here's my little bit, and all oh, those two little bits will fit together, and we can add that to that, and that to that." that and is, that's how they construct their longer songs. That is probably why we like this because we're used to this sort of ensemble of a track where mm. everybody brings a little bit to it, and it eventually does build into a track that has yeah. some structure to it. This is very structured, and it's it's mm. very iconically prog rock, I think. Yes, it is. I think of the second side, this is my favourite track on the second side, I think. As Meatloaf would say, you took the words right out of my mouth. And it wasn't when I was kissing you, because we are socially distanced. That's not the only reason. <laughs> Before anybody starts, uh, we don't want any slash <laughs> fiction going on here. <laughs> not happening, not happening. If you do write slash fiction about the podcast... Please keep it to yourself. You <laughs> don't want to see it. <laughs> yes. It's not something I'm interested in. No. Please keep it to yourself. <laughs> Especially if it has illustrations. <laughs> Especially keep it to yourself then. Yes, yes. So that anyway. Leads, yes, so that leads us on to the last track. Touch Wood? No, it really does lead us on to the last track. No, it's called Touch Wood. Oh, okay. Sounds a bit like a track that you didn't particularly like off Phil Collins's face value. It sounds a little bit like the, one, the instrumentals droned. Now, I kind of agree with you on this. On one point you said when mm. you started talking about this track, instrumental. The yeah. thing about this track is it sounds like an instrumental break on any other album. Mm. Except it's an instrumental break on an instrumental album, which is rather yeah. redundant. Yeah. This doesn't really fit into this album. It's it's yeah. a if it was if this was a rock album or any other album and they did this in the middle, it'd be like those little you know you sometimes on a on a rock album you get a little guitar piece that's not really part of anything, but it's a separate yeah. little like well, like a, a doodle like as it were. Steve Hackett yeah. did on Voyage of the Acolyte, he did those yeah. two uh, Hands of the Priestess. Exactly. It's just yeah. it's just a musical doodle. 
But why would you put that on an album that is just musical doodles? Yeah. It, yeah. it just doesn't fit. It, it's kind of, it's a redundant thing. It doesn't yeah. really fit because it's something that would be of itself on any other album, but on this album, it's just lost. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, one of the things I put in my notes here is it wibbles about a bit for three minutes and then it goes away. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> There's nothing to say about this track. Yeah. It's got no strength of its own. There's nothing on this that you will immediately love and fall in love with you know there's no like oh i love that refrain or i love yeah. that little tempo or i love that little rhythm on the guitar or the bass guitar there's nothing in this mm. it's just a piece of do you i can't think of another word other than drivel it's musical drivel yeah because it doesn't have a structure and it doesn't go anywhere it just plods and then yeah. it ends yeah it's it's pointless i mean We've discussed this many times before, but we a rock album, the last track on a rock album, it makes you want to immediately get up and turn it on again. Listen to the album again. We have said that so many times. There's so many that out there, the albums that we love yeah. the most, where yeah. the last track, you go, I'm going to put that album on again. Exactly. This, I didn't even realise this was the last track on the album until after about half a minute, I thought, Oh, was that the last track? <laughs> I was, that's uncanny. That's exactly what I've wrote in my notes. It was like, you can't believe this was the last track because it's not <laughs> It's not a grand exit. It's yeah. not a, you know, a Ferrari. It's not like a triumphant re uh, refrain of all the other tracks or anything. Yeah. It just wibbles out. Yeah, it just fades away and it's it gone. Does. And then yeah. 30 seconds later, you think, Oh, uh. oh, oh, I'll, get, I'll take the needle off. <laughs> so that, well, you would, do it, you would do it if yeah. you listened to it on vinyl. You'd be going, oh, my God, the needle. Yeah, exactly. As, as it goes <laughs> against the centre of the record. A very, very disappointing end to an album. Yeah, that, I mean... One of the most underwhelming ends to any album that I've heard, I think. You know, I'd agree with you on that. Um, yeah. There's nothing about... It's not this... It's unlikable. There's just nothing really likable. Does that make yeah. sense? You know what I'm yeah. saying? There's nothing that you're going to say, oh, that was awful. Because it wasn't yeah. awful. It just, you think, oh, was that it? And that's yeah. the best thing you can say about this track. Oh, yeah. was that it? Yeah, exactly. So are we going to talk about the album as a whole now? Yes, but first, let's have a final word from our sponsors. Commercial time. Hello, I'm here with Mr. Stephen Jones. Hello, Stephen. May I call you Stephen? No. Ah, well. We're here to try out new Brand X. We soaked Stephen's sofa with petrol. Eh? What? And set light to it. We will try putting half of it out with a normal fire extinguisher. Oh my god! <coughs> Worked a treat. Now we shall try to extinguish the other half. As I was saying, we will now try and extinguish the other half with new Brand X. Oh dear, Brand X clearly not up to the task. Oh my god, oh my god, it's got the curtains. What are you doing, you maniac? Give me the extinguisher, the whole room's going up. No, 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 we must give Brand X a chance to work. Oh god, oh god. <laughs> Smoke! Someone help! This baby is going to kill us all! No, no, no! Give Brandex just a little more time to work!
Great God, the fire brigade! Here you go, listeners. Brandex! Give me the key to the door, you loony! Give me the key! No, no. Brandex for all your... Give me the key! Brandex! You are loony! Help! Oh, God! Help someone! Brandex! <laughs> The Cubs are really enjoying themselves. Well, that's good to hear. I wasn't sure they'd enjoy freeform jazz. Because I give them a special treat. My new golden drummers. Golden drummers, you say? What are they made of, Bernie? Tender turkey. Then they're shaped like famous drummers. This one's shaped like Neil Peart. And this one's Buddy Guy. Covered in crispy golden mm. crumb. Absolutely delicious. You're telling me. I'm chomping down on Keith Moon. Mm, fried or grilled. Well, yeah. It was usually one or the other. And so are you when you give your family my new golden drummers. They ain't that good, Bernie. Get a pack today. John Bonham never tasted so good. Beautiful. Hey everyone, Steve here from Play Your Pods Right. Do you like game shows? Do you like weird 90s nostalgia that only a select few of us will ever understand? Then why not join me and my best mate Simon as every Wednesday we take a deep dive into that weird and wonderful world of the 90s game show. From Cluedo to Gladiators to Crystal Maze, hell, even all the best works of Bruce Forsyth. That's right, Brucey himself. So it's nice to see you to see you nice every Wednesday for Player Pods Right on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts and a whole host of other providers. Take care everyone. So, Simon, that was unorthodox behaviour. We've now listened to the whole album and discussed individual tracks. What did you think of the album as a whole? It's all right. Well, thanks for that in-depth analysis. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, come on. You, there must be other words than it was all right. Well, see, it, it's an okay album. It's not a bad album by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, for the most part, really unmemorable. Just, I agree. Just kind of washes yeah. over yeah. you. I, I know what you're saying. There's just nothing on this that would make you go, I'm going to listen to that bit again. Yeah. It's not that the album was a chore to listen to, because it wasn't. Yeah. Um, mainly it because it was so unmemorable, you, <laughs> you didn't feel yourself listening to it. You were just picking your nose or looking out the window or, you know, checking what's in the back seat, which is always worrying when you're driving. Yes. But, you know, you find yourself doing that. Um, no, there was just nothing... There was nothing memorable about this album. There was no great single track that you could point to and go, it's worth buying this album for that track. No, that's it. It's perfect background music because you don't have to invest any effort in listening to it. So, you know, if you're in the kitchen making a meal or you're sitting down doing some work from home or, or whatever... This is perfect because it doesn't require you to give it any attention whatsoever and it will just slip along nicely and be a nice little accompaniment to whatever you're doing. Yeah, there's there's no point in this album where you'll just stop what you're doing and go, oh, I want to listen to this bit. Exactly. There isn't. It, it, yeah. it's, just, it's just like static for the brain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and whereas uh, Voyage of the Acolyte, which we've compared it to a few times, there are parts of Voyage of the Acolyte that demand your attention. Yes. You know, the opening bits of Ace of Wands and some of the bits of Tower Struck Down and it demands you listen to it. Yeah. This doesn't at all. You, no, apart no from that way. first track, nothing else is memorable. Even and even first that first track, track isn't 
particularly memorable. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's the best track on an average album. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but that's the thing, though. It's it's. We're reviewing this from our perspectives. Yes, we're not jazz enthusiasts. A jazz no. enthusiast might see something in this which we don't, and we mm. we appreciate that and accept it. However, from our point of view, this was just. It was it was an okay but uninteresting album. It was musical beige. Brilliant, <laughs> utterly brilliant. That is exactly what my brain was thinking, but didn't know how to put into words. It yeah. is beige. Yeah, I applaud it... you, sir. Applaud you on that. That <laughs> massive you. insight, yeah. and that's the it's only not... time I'm gonna say you've ever had insight into anything. <laughs> it's not you know it's not bad. Oh no, by it's no not means. Good. It has its place, just like beige, but you wouldn't choose it if you could choose anything else and you don't remember what it looks like after you've finished exactly. looking at it. It's like this record you... doesn't stay with you after you've finished listening to it. It's like when you buy a new house. Everywhere's yeah. magnolia, and that's yes. fine until you think you need it to be more interesting and then you paint over yeah. the magnolia. This exactly. would be the colour of a house before you made it interesting. Yeah. Exactly. And that, so, that does that's not necessarily mean it's a bad album. It oh is no, superbly played. Yeah. Every single person on this is absolutely brilliant. Top of their game. But it just doesn't that doesn't, doesn't do it for them. me. No, me neither. It's it's as you say, it's it's a perfectly fine album uh -huh. to use a phrase if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, some people out there who who are jazz aficionados or whatever may see things in this that we don't and appreciate yeah. it on a level we can't. Exactly. Literally can't because we don't have the background to know what, what jazz is supposed to sound like. Yeah, exactly. But from our point of view, this is perfectly well done, professionally played, yeah. just basically uninteresting. Exactly. I mean, I think it's an interesting thing to 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 look at and, and, and consider where Phil could have gone with his solo career if he hadn't have taken that the path that he did. But ultimately, you know, if Phil wasn't on this album, I wouldn't have any interest in listening to it. No, I agree entirely. And it's only that you've got an interest in listening to it that I've had to listen to it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. this this wouldn't even come onto my musical spectrum. <laughs> yeah, and I, exactly. I do like, as we said at the opening, you know, I, there are certain points of jazz that I like. Mm. There's some bands and some solo artists that I do listen to in, in the jazz field, but not not deep jazz, shall we say. Yeah. In in the yeah. more accessible realms of jazz, yeah, Cleo um, Lane and uh, Ackerbilk. How old do you think I am? <laughs> Don't answer it. that. Do not answer <laughs> that. The point is, there was nothing on this album that I could relate to. I found it difficult to get into it because I didn't have a point of reference for yeah. some of the musical stylings. Yeah, exactly. So, so everybody who's listening to this and, and hearing that we, we, we just think it's average, please take into account mm. we're looking at this from a point of view that we can't access it because we're not aware. You know, when you, as I said at the beginning, it's like uh, quantum physics or superstring yeah. theory. If you don't know, you don't get it. And it's yeah. the same with jazz. Unless you know what to listen for, you can't appreciate the music. And we, exactly. unfortunately, don't have the keys to yeah. unlock this piece of music. We are basically trying to fit a jazz-shaped album into a prog rock-shaped hole. We both didn't dislike this album. Not in any way. But neither of us have any intention of listening to it ever again. No. So, 
with that in mind, let's go back to the leaderboard. Do you remember the leaderboard? I don't remember must... yesterday. I don't remember what I had for tea last night. So we yes. have we now have two separate leaderboards because you are a contrarian. So we have two leaderboards. So okay. my leaderboard, number one, Peter Gabriel Carr. Number two, Phil Collins face value. Number three, Mike Rutherford Small Creeps Day. Number four, Steve Hackett Voyage of the Acolyte. And number five, Tony Banks A Curious Feeling. So your leaderboard is number one, Peter Gabriel. Number two, Mike Rutherford. Number three, Steve Hackett. Number four, Tony Banks. And number 62, Phil Collins. Yeah, sounds about right, actually. So I'm going to ask you first, where would you put this on your leaderboard? Before or after Phil Collins? <laughs> God, which would I rather be stuck in a closet with? This? <laughs> I think I'd rather be stuck in a closet with this because it would annoy me less. Yes. So I am going to put it before Phil Collins. Say Phil Collins was 62. I'm going to put this. I'm going to put this at 61. Now, my question for myself is, Simon. Yes, Simon. Where would you put this on your leaderboard? See, that would normally worry me, but I know you have multiple personalities. <laughs> would you put this above or below A Curious Feeling by Tony Banks? I think I'm going to put it at number five, above <gasps> Tony Banks, because this is musical beige. I don't hate it. I don't love it. Whereas I'm afraid I do really, really hate A Curious Feeling to the point where I'm probably wouldn't care if i never heard that again so controversial as it may be that's where i'm putting it well no that's your choice obviously you're mm. wrong as i keep telling you <laughs> but you know it's your choice we're all pretty much in the same way i mean you like tony banks's album better than brand x and phil collins so you're clearly mad but... <laughs> i would argue the point but i can't <laughs> so that's it so what we listen to next week Oh, I don't know. You, you're the one who's doing the pop listing here. What are we listening to next week, Simon? Next week, I've already mentioned it earlier on. You just don't listen to me. Oh, oh. Ever, ever anyway, listen to you. Next week, we're going to listen to Anthony Phillips' first solo album, which is called The Geese and the Ghost, oh. which features Mike Rutherford and Phil Collins playing. Okay. So three members of Genesis. For the price of one. For the price of one member of Genesis. Sounds like a bargain to me. So we have another sponsor. Amazon are currently offering our listeners three months of Amazon Music Unlimited for absolutely free. All you need to do is click on the link in the podcast description or go to our website and click on the link there. And you can get three months of Amazon Music Unlimited absolutely free. And Amazon will then donate some money towards the podcast. It's literally a win-win situation. They've got over 70 million tracks. 70 million. Wow. Sounds like I a know. bargain to me, Simon. Not at all like selling our souls to the man. If, on the other hand, you don't want to sell your soul to Amazon, you can still donate money to the podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com, searching for the Revelation Station podcast, and then donating the price of a coffee, which also goes to the running of the podcast. I would well, like to once again thank everybody who's uh, sent us coffees. Um, I am literally caffeined up. Um, yes. Thank you so, so much. We do appreciate it. It's not overly expensive running these things, but it's not entirely cheap either. It, um, is, it isn't. So. No. So, so we so appreciate anything and everything you do for us. We really do. It's the only way we keep yeah. on the air, and it's the only yes. way you can take us off the air. 
exactly so if you don't want to see us on the air anymore don't donate if you do want to see us on the air a bit more send us some money for a coffee or sell your soul to the amazon man and get a free month's trial of music unlimited right so until next week listeners listener listener <laughs> keep talking oh no that's a different one isn't it that is a different one simon try and keep up keep up man keep up <laughs> enjoy listening to geese and the ghost and we will be back with you next week goodbye farewell Give me one second. Second, I will give you. One second's gone. Come on.